0: On you personally, not some anonymous being in a distant place, and to define in no uncertain terms the consequences of inaction. Let the battle begin.
1: This is Dr. Dan. You probably have heard me comment in the past that my grandparents were legal immigrants to America. They went to night school to learn English and American history, to become American citizens. They came here for the opportunity to be successful and be part of the American dream, essentially to be Americans. They remembered where they came from, but America was their home. They assimilated into American society. And that's the concept of the melting pot. All the flavors mixed together to form one single flavor a delicious flavor that is uniquely American. But what happens when immigrants refuse to assimilate? It destroys the national identity and fractures national unity. Our nation becomes a salad bowl in which each group is easily identified and remains separate. Now, you and I both know that this is extremely useful for politicians. Uh, That's something we don't have to even mention because you understand why that has occurred. But even more, what if the refusal to assimilate is really a tool to destroy our nation? And so we need to understand that our nation has been and is now the victim of a purposeful and lethal insurgency. Actually, insurgencies designed like the Trojan horse to destroy us by stealth from within. So what is insurgency? Well, if we look to the Encyclopedia Britannica, modern insurgency uses rumors to discredit the government and its supporters, exacerbation of existing social conflicts and creation of new ones between racial, ethnic, religious, and other groups, Political intrigue and manipulation to induce clashes between class or regional interests, economic disruption and dislocation, and any other means likely to destroy the existing social order and to deprive the government of its power base all play a role in fomenting insurgency. And that was a quote from the Encyclopedia Britannica. In America today, we are fighting two separate insurgencies. Each has its own and very different worldview, but they share one common goal, to destroy our constitutional republic that protects and secures the natural law rights and sovereignty of the individual. In this interview, we will discuss one of them, Islam, Jihad, and Sharia law. I want you to listen to this.
0: الله اكبر الله اكبر
2: الله اكبر شاد الله أكبر
1: That is the call to prayer. In Dearborn, Michigan, people have to listen to that five times every day. Do you want to hear that in Blairsville, Murphy, Atlanta, or Washington, D.C.? Listen and ask yourself that question. The answer will be obvious. My guest is Chris Gobbets. Chris Gobbets is a national security consultant, speaker, and conservative political activist. He trains law enforcement on strategies and modus operandi of the jihadis in order to locate and prosecute these networks. Gobbets works with citizens, legislators, and other leaders at the state and local level to create strategies to expose and dismantle these networks. Gobbets has testified before the U.S. Senate on the dangers of minimizing radical Islam in combating terrorism. As the lead undercover researcher in one of the most successful post-9-11 undercover operations in the United States, Chris Gobbets posed as a Muslim convert, and gained access to Muslim Brotherhood and Hamas-backed organization leadership meetings. He exposed fraud, sedition, and terrorism. Not at all surprising. Chris Gobbins has been featured on numerous global media networks and national television programs, including Sean Hannity, Tipping Point with Liz Wheeler, Savage Nation, Breitbart News Daily, and Louder with Crowder. Chris Gobbets, it is a privilege and honor to have you as a guest on Freedom Forum Radio.
2: Oh Well, thank you so much for having me on, Dr. Dan. It's a pleasure to be here today.
1: Well, Chris, you obviously have a fascinating and interesting story to tell. And this is what our listeners want to hear. So why don't you start at the beginning and tell us, how did you get into this and how did it play out?
2: Sure. So my my journey, uh, Dr. Dan, really begins back in um, in, uh, 2007 into this world. My father um, was a career federal agent with the uh, Air Force Office of Special Investigations, and uh, he had had a phenomenal career, uh, 22-plus years, uh, and then he retired in the late 90s. And after 9-11, he came out of retirement, became a U.S. State Department-trained Arabic linguist, and then went over to uh, Iraq in 2003 at the beginning of the war to uh, collect intelligence um, throughout the beginning of the war and so when he came home he wanted to know you know why is it that we have he understood fighting jihadi groups in Iraq um, insurgents in Iraq but you know he was he was starting to see groups like uh, the Muslim Brotherhood operate here right near our nation's capital and so he started a project Uh, that we call the Muslim Mafia Project now because of the book that was written, where we would show what the Muslim Brotherhood uh, is like behind closed doors here in the United States. And he needed someone he could trust, so he just asked me to go undercover, and uh, I've been at this for over 10 years now.
1: You know, it's really incredible that your father, your father had an illustrious career uh, in the military, and he came home. And fortunately for us, through you, he was able to recognize the threat here in our own country and he certainly gave you the stimulus you needed to go ahead and do this incredible project that you did
2: yeah it was it was really an honor to do it you know my father is um you know i know the term hero is thrown around uh, quite a bit these days and um but i got to say my my father is an absolute uh true American hero and he really did he had a comfortable life after already serving his country and uh and then went uh, left all of that and uh, went into war and um and has you know continued to work on these issues uh, since he came back and uh, I'm just honored to continue his work
1: so what exactly did you do and how did you get started on this project
2: yeah so um in two thousand and seven I did um starts to, uh, to learn about Islam from Islamic scholars, particularly at uh, a mosque in northern Virginia in Falls Church called Dar al-Hidra. Now, Dar al-Hidra has an interesting history. This is the mosque where some of the 9-11 hijackers prayed at. Um, it was also the mosque where the imam, um, prior to me getting there, was uh, a man by the name of uh, Anwar al and i'm sure you uh, i know you know dr tan, but many of your listeners also know anwarlaki um used to uh lecture uh about the life of Muhammad uh, around the d c area washington d c area um including uh the state department and uh yet he one day becomes an al qaeda leader in yemen um and um so this is this was the atmosphere that I was going into to learn about uh Islam, jihad and sharia to become a sharia adherent Muslim. The idea of the project was is that I was going to go undercover with a Muslim brotherhood organization. And the Muslim brotherhood has the same ideology as al-Qaeda or the Islamic state. They want to establish an Islamic state under sharia. And so in order to gain their trust, I needed to learn about sharia so that when I uh went undercover, I would come off as a sharia adherent Muslim. Um And so I spent 2007 learning how to be a Sheree adherent Muslim. So that in 2008, in the spring, I uh, worked as as an intern in that satellite office for CARE, the Council on American-Islamic Relations, which is a Muslim Brotherhood organization. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. We'll be right back after this quick break. My guest is
1: Chris Gobbets. So you actually did become... A, you did become a Sharia adherent. What, you know, obviously you weren't a before that. What kind of, what did that mean for you? What, what was your experience? I mean, that was a major departure from everything you'd lived in your past life.
2: Yeah. And just to be clear for, for everyone, you know, listening, I, I'm a Christian um, and I always have remained one. However, at that time I pretended to be a Muslim. So I did a fake conversion at Dar al Hijra, I actually did a fake conversion, um, and then began to uh, interact with members of that uh, mosque and and the imam there, um, and and read the the books and the pamphlets that they recommended that I read, uh, really took this on and learned about Islam by Islamic scholars here in the United States and abroad. You know, listened to many of the lectures that were available. So... It was, it was a drastic change for me. Um, but I think it was the, the best way to learn about any ideology. And this transcends it's something that we'll get into a little bit more, I'm sure. Uh, whether you're studying Marxism, um, whether you're studying Islam, um, it's best to read the materials by people, proponents of that ideology. I, I believe that's the best way to learn about it at, at its, at its core level. And then, you know, start to read some other material about how to process that uh, information, but but to learn about it, something. So I learned about Islam by Islamic scholars. I didn't read books by non-Muslims about Islam. Um, I read books and listened to lectures and went to mosques and prayed and actually lived it so that I could understand it. And so that when I got to CARES offices in, in 2008, they they fully believed that I was a Sharia here at Muslim, um, they knew that I had converted to Islam. That was my, my cover story that I had converted to Islam. Um, so, you know, that gave me an out if there was something that, you know, that I didn't know or didn't understand you know, they knew I wasn't an Islamic scholar, but they also knew that I was a convert and that I took it very seriously. And it, they gave me incredible amounts of access to documents and, and, uh, which is many of that's detailed in the book, Muslim mafia.
1: You know, uh, the interesting thing uh, about that your fake conversion, and and I understand that 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 you like like me and like so many of my listeners, you are uh, a, a Christian, uh, and that and you the and we no one would ever doubt obviously that that anything you did uh, to gain information was was because you became a Muslim, but on if you want to read books. Uh, by the people who are adherents uh isn't that a problem if they're in a in a language that you can't understand and read in other words words, where where do you find that kind of stuff written by in english
2: yeah it's actually really interesting so uh you know there's a big islamic movement happening right now in the uk right uh many of the um Many of the colonies under British rule were, um, were, were Islamic, and so there are a plethora of materials that were written uh, by Islamic scholars and have the stamp of approval of Islamic um, leadership like Al-Azhar University, which is the most prominent Islamic university on the planet. They actually put their stamp of approval on um, English translation, so for instance, there's a, a book that I used when I testified in front of the U.S. Senate on, on the um, willful blindness of the Obama administration towards uh, terrorism as it relates to Islam, and, um, and that book is Reliance of the Traveler, and that has the imprimatur, the stamp of approval from Al-Azhar University, um, and it is a manual of Islamic law, Sharia, in English with the Arabic in there, but, but it's a certified English translation.
1: Would you you say, also have Muslim. Would you say the I'm name sorry? of that? Say the name of that book again.
2: Sure. Slowly. Yeah, it's Reliance. Reliance of the Traveler.
1: Reliance of the Traveler, and that's obviously then an English text that you relied on to learn tons of stuff about Sharia law. Is that
2: correct? That's correct. And there's also. Um, so if, if you if, if you're listeners and wanted to, to get a couple of basics that are um, really good to learn, one of them is um, milestones and this is a book written by Saeed Kutub. Okay. So now he was um he actually wrote that book while he was in prison in Egypt uh, in the sixties, in the in the fifties and sixties. And he was actually executed uh, by the Egyptians for his role as a Muslim brother. And so, Milestones is a book that um, sort of inspired many uh, modern jihadis because it talks about how to change a society, wherever that society is, from uh, where they are to being a fully sharia here in Islamic State. So the strategy is going to be different in Minnesota than it is in Syria. But the goal is always the same, right? It's to become a fully Sharia-adherent uh, state. And Milestones is a really good, uh, good uh, book by a, a well-respected uh, Islamic scholar and a leader of the Muslim Brotherhood, Saeed Qutb.
1: So you obviously, uh, you bring up Sun Tzu's Know Your Enemy. And so in order to uh, do what you did, you had to know your enemy. You had to know your enemy so thoroughly that any slip up would be minor enough for them to say, "Well, he's a convert," so instead of uh, executing him, let's instruct him. And and I you're to be yeah. congratulated because that that is a that's an enormous feat, uh, and I imagine that was pretty difficult for you.
2: Uh, you know, I was in my twenties, Doctor Dan. I had a good time with it, <laughs> and I was really, um, I was real, I really enjoyed working with my father. And so, uh, was it stressful at times? Of course, it was incredibly stressful at times. But uh, at the same end, it was—I um, was so honored to, to be involved in this project that um, that sort of outweighed any or uh, any stress that that I had with it. Uh, but it certainly, uh, you know, gave me uh, an opportunity to serve my country in a way that I never thought I would be able to.
1: So, here you are, a. Muslim convert with a, with a very fa- solid foundation in Sharia law, which we know is the basis, for, uh, what they want to impose on, on Earth. Uh, and uh, you approach ca- the offices of care. And uh, what happened after that?
2: Yeah, so I actually um, was working in um, Care, Maryland, Virginia at the time. And uh, that was in Herndon, Virginia. Now, this is an interesting area because uh, you have right across the street from these offices the International Institute of Islamic Thought, or IIIT, which is uh, sort of the think tank for the Muslim Brotherhood here in the United States. Um, And uh, you have several other leadership offices there, as as well as CARE. Um, And CARE's satellite office, their executive director, uh, had actually worked at CARE's headquarters in Washington, D.C. They gave me access to um, all legal... I had a legal uh, team helping me throughout this project to make sure it was legal. But we ended up uh, identifying a fraud that was being perpetuated by uh, someone purporting to be an attorney at that office. His name was Morris Days. Uh, He purported to be an attorney, and he was taking money from Muslims on behalf of CARE, telling that he was going to represent their um, represent their immigration cases, and yet he was just pocketing money. Now, again, this goes back to CARE says that they're a civil rights organization, and yet they never took five minutes to vet their one attorney in the satellite office. Um, and it just goes to show they're not a civil rights organization. They're a Muslim Brotherhood organization, specifically Hamas, And they are working to wage what the Muslim Brotherhoods call civilization jihad, which is destroying America from within. And that concludes another episode of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. Join the battle on our website, www.drdansfreedomforum.com. The Rights to Own Private Property that cannot be arbitrarily confiscated by the government is the moral right and constitutional basis for individual freedom
1: joy in everything 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 gonna be all right this morning